0: Back everyone to the Drink and Learn Podcast. I am Drinks Historian Elizabeth Pierce.
1: Hi, and I'm bartender Abigail Gallo here at Comper Le Pen in the old number seventy seven hotel in New Orleans, which is where we're in right now. A studio room, beautiful studio room here at the old number seventy seven hotel. It's very lovely. It's beautiful. The sun is gorgeous today.
0: Um even though it is mighty hot outside. Uncharacteristically hot even for New Orleans. I don't know I feel like it's always hot in September. Like we want it to be cooler but, but it's just not. Even though there's like ads for fall
1: and sweaters. Mm-mm. There's no pumpkin spice in my life yet. <laughs> Mm-mm. I'm just not, not feeling it.
0: Not even metaphorically. Not even
1: metaphorically. <laughs>
0: uh, and we are actually sipping on two drinks today and we're going to talk about Two drinks at the same—well, not at the same time—that would be confusing. But we're going to cover two drinks today, unusually uh, for us, because one of these drinks kind of led to the creation of the others. Some say, some say, and they certainly talk to each other. So today, we're going to talk about the Brandy
1: Crusta and the Sidecar. Yes, two underappreciated drinks in the modern times, I would find. Uh, Yeah, I certainly, I didn't know about
0: the Brandy Crusta for a really long time, but I knew about the sidecar from childhood because in Auntie Mame, which for those of you who have been listening to this podcast, you have heard many references to, all of my alcohol uh, knowledge has come from the movie Auntie Mame, which my mother used to allow me to watch as often as I liked. (laughs) Anyway, Auntie Mame is hungover, And her nephew comes to see her in the morning, and she tells him to have her butler bring her up a light breakfast, coffee, and a sidecar. And eight-year-old Elizabeth turned to her mama and said, Mama, what's a sidecar? And she pulled down Mr. Boston's and looked it up. Because knowledge
1: is power. And she made you one
0: Uh, for breakfast. (laughs) No, but wait. So uh, my husband and I had a bet. Uh, We were in a fantasy football league moons and moons ago. And um, whoever did worse than the other had to make... Uh, the winner even if we didn't win the whole league but you know you beat the other person um you had to make them breakfast Mm. and he came up with coffee and a sidecar (laughs) (laughs) and i thought you know me so well and you love me but for him he was like it was so easy no pancakes no waffles just (laughs) coffee and a
1: sidecar (laughs) just a light (laughs) breakfast i have to
0: cook an egg
1: (laughs) This this sidecar has long been my uh, judge of a cocktail bar. Mm. Um, It will be one of those drinks that I order off menu that I think they should know how to make. And if they know how to make it properly and it's well balanced and delicious, then I know that this is a a bar I can order many more drinks from.
0: So it is kind of a tricky drink mm-hmm. and I've when I've had them and this is a nice kind of like circle around to the two things we're going to talk about is sometimes I have found it to be way too sour mm-hmm. and imbalanced and that one of the ways it can be fixed on the fly uh, like, I'm not going to have them remake my entire drink or the bar is kind of backed up or whatever, is I've ordered a sidecar and had them add a couple of dashes of bitters. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that this drink's grandpa or grandma, I guess, or drink's feminine, I don't know, um, was a drink that had bitters. Mm-hmm. And so,
1: well, I guess we should start. Start with the, the the old one, right? Let's start with the Brandy Cresta. Yeah. Because I I really, really love this drink And I love the connection that this drink has to our city of New Orleans. So unlike many other
0: stories that we have shared with you about origins of drinks, this one is definitely not made up. It is pretty much agreed on across all bartender aficionados and historians and all the people who talk about such things. And that it was invented by a man named Joseph Santini. Who ran the bar The Jewel of the South, which was one of the super prestigious fancy pants, cocktail saloons, slash coffee houses, slash they had like a whole humidor uh, area you could go get your cigars from Havana. Mm. And so he is operating in the world of. The cocktail. This is like 1840s. So Abigail, why don't you remind our listeners a little bit about like what what that meant, what
1: cocktail meant. In the 1840s, which is the beginning of the golden age of cocktail creation in America, a cocktail was bitters, sugar, spirit, and water. And how you chose to put that together was how you got to be creative and make up drinks. Now, when we think of what bitters sugar, spirit, and water mean now, you tend to think of an old-fashioned because it is kind of like the original cocktail. However, the sugar can come in many forms. There was ways to make your cocktail fancy or improved, and that meant adding a little flavor from um, different liqueurs, different bitters maybe even, and um, the spirit and the sugar could be flexible where you put the sugar, how you added it, um, the spirit, what spirit you're using, and how you add your water as well. And this is still early enough. There's not a lot of ice being used, definitely. Ice is new. Well, especially uh, down here, hard to get, expensive.
0: Mm -hmm. Mark Twain... once said that ice was like jewelry only the rich could afford it Mm -hmm. but eventually as new orleans becomes wealthy which we talked about in the particularly in the Sazerac episode Mm -hmm. and then because of the growth of the sugar industry ice will show up but these are the things that you've got to work with but the key right here that abigail listed was you have the modifiers Mm -hmm. which is the word we use today and then you could have a twist but so far you don't have citrus, and if you were putting citrus in a drink, that was would have been kind of a nod to the 18th century and punch, right? Yes. Like, okay.
1: Yeah. And then you got Joseph Santini. When they Sant- made like a sherbet out mm-hmm. of out of the peel, the pith, and the flesh of the juice. And then you got Joseph Santini. And Joseph Santini comes along, a good Italian immigrant. A fan of the lemon. <laughs> a fan of the lemon. <laughs> they, they know a little something about citrus over there. Mm-hmm. Do you know where in Italy he came from? Mm-mm. No, and it was
0: kind of hard to find information about him. Italy wasn't
1: even a country then. No, it wouldn't have been. It would have
0: been Kingdom of Sicily. Mm -hmm. No, even his obituary didn't say. Mm. He was a beloved citizen, if you weren't sure. (laughs) But of course he should be. Dearly missed. And he was uh, perceived as a a very good host. In the mid-1800s, people just like write things in the newspaper about going out and drinking, uh, the time they had in New Orleans. Little stories pop up about the, the graciousness of Joseph Santini, which I thought was very nice. He sends over champagne a couple of times. I'm oh, sorry, he sends over sparkling wine, mm-hmm. and uh, but no, I don't I don't know exactly where um, he or his family came and from. And at this
1: time, the hospitality industry is well known. Like there's a lot of famous kind of Italian cooks and Italian barmen. Mm-hmm. And the Italians are well known for their their craft.
0: Yeah, I just learned this for uh, fans of New Orleans, eating and drinking. The owner of Antoine's actually spent time in Italy learning to cook, hmm. which is very shocking for all of the people who are like we are French Creole. <laughs> and I uh, was talking with one of the owners about they should put some uh, Italian stuff on the menu or have at least an, like an Italian dinner in honor of like what would have been um, presented like during the late 1800s then mm-hmm. when it wasn't just like, uh, immigrant pasta. <laughs> okay, so truthfully, I like I said, I only learned about the rainy crusta um, since I've gotten into this world um, in the last few years and hadn't really paid attention to it as this movement, as this as this like shift from cocktail to something else. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because... Whenever you look up, like, what is a brandy crusta? A lot of times it is defined as like the precursor to the sidecar. Yes. And the sidecar is a sour, which we'll talk about. It's a, but it's a daisy. A, a daisy. Okay. Right. Which is not a sour, but it is, but its profile is sour. Yes. So that makes you automatically expect the crusta
1: to be like that. And it isn't it is at not. all. No. No. It's much closer to a cocktail, to the original cocktail. So actually, before we get
0: we talk about further about this, and, and, um, and even get to the sidecar, let's go make the
1: crusta. And I'm, then everybody will know what we're talking I'm about. I'm going to make you a crusta. OK. So we're going to make a crusta for you right now. Um, this drink is fairly easy in the construction of the ingredients. Um, what really makes it special is the construction of the garnish. What you want to do is, is take a lemon, and you want to kind of pare it. And you know that word, P-A-R-E, that people do when they take an apple and they kind of cut the, the skin off, but like with a lot of the chunk to it. Anyway, you want a big, wide, long swath of peel. So I'm going to attempt to do that with just a vegetable peeler, a Y-shaped vegetable peeler, and a kind of good-looking lemon. I'm gonna dig in nice and deep and spin that lemon all around. We're basically using the entire peel of a lemon. And originally, this drink is made in a wine glass. I have found um, cordial glasses or kind of vintage Nick and Nora glasses to be perfect for this drink. You're also gonna give this um, a nice big sugar crust, if you will, for the crusta. I have a feeling that's how it got its name crusta. The the garnish is what kind of makes this drink really special. So I'm going to rim the glass. I like to use an orange when I'm rimming the juice because I don't want the bitterness or the uh, high acidity of lemon or lime to kind of um, conflict with the flavors of the drink. And I find orange to be a little bit more neutral. I find it to be a little bit more sticky for the sugar to stick to as well. So um, that's why I use an orange. Okay, we've got a nice, um, beautiful crust on that and i'm going to carefully kind of spread out the lemon peel so it just sits kind of inside the glass that always happens i can't
0: they can't see what always happens tell them
1: (laughs) well what's happening is the um the lemon peel still kind of just falls in the glass it's there we go
0: now it's resting on top of the glass
1: Okay, and now we get to the ingredient. We're just going gonna to do a little uh, whip shake for this. We're not using a lot of citrus in the drink. What is a whip shake? A whip shake is when you quickly whip the tin with a little bit of ice. You're not shaking it uh, too long. And this just really agitates the ingredients, aerates them quickly um, without diluting them too much. So we're going to add a, uh, a dash of um, dry curacao, two dashes of bitters, a dash of maraschino liqueur as well. Um, it's funny, in this cocktail, this is kind of like a kitchen sink cocktail when I think about it, because a lot of times for things to be made fancy, you would add either curacao or maraschino, and for this one, it uses both. It's um, so like two dashes of lemon juice. And I think, um, you know, the only thing that's missing really is is some absinthe. It should have some absinthe, too. And then it would be like the kitchen sink cresta, a little bit of everything. Okay, now we're going to use some um, beautiful cognac. This is, again, one of those drinks that has, it's all about balance of ingredients. And so when you are using so little other modifiers, you want your base spirit to really stand out and be gorgeous. So we're using a really, really beautiful cognac for this. Nice. Whip shake. really quick. And now we're going to pour it carefully into the crusted glass in between the lemon and the um, crusted sugar rim. I have to take a picture of this right now because it's really, really pretty. It looks so pretty in the light, too. You guys, look online for a picture of this. 1800s drink right there. That's why it's so pretty. It's a drink from the 1800s looks beautiful in this bar dibs (laughs) it's yours babe so i don't know why but i always feel like a sidecar should go in a martini glass um so we're gonna take a nice chilled martini glass and we're gonna do just a half rim very delicately with sugar i don't like a lot of sugar on this cocktail and a lot of times i don't serve it with a rim or i would prefer it without a rim if i was drinking it But I find that most people come to expect it with a sugar rim. So I will just do a half gentle rim of sugar.
0: Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't.
1: (laughs) All right. So this um, sidecar is the daisy. So we're going to do like classic proportions that way with three quarters ounce of lemon juice. uh, Three quarters ounce of, in this case, we're using a creole shrub. So very similar to Cointreau, but with a base of rum agricole and with um, some more spices in it. So it's really going to play nice with the cognac we're using. And then uh, we're going to do two ounces of cognac. Now this gets a really a nice shake. We really want to agitate all the citruses in here. Uh, we really want it to be incorporated well. And we want this drink to be well diluted too because the... Creole shrub uh, as a proof of 80 proof, just like Cointreau would. So we're talking a lot of booze in this cocktail. And we're going to double strain it into the glass.
0: Abigail, I don't think you've used that term before, double strain. I can't remember if you made a drink that you've double strained. So just in case, why don't you explain what that is?
1: Um double straining means using like a tea strainer in addition to your Hawthorne strainer on top of your shaker. What this does and you can see here creates a um, little trap for all those little ice bits. Now a lot of people like the texture of ice bits on the top of their drink but for this particular drink I want it to be velvety smooth on top. We gave it a really nice agitated shake and that created a lot of additional ice chips. So I want to double strain it so that when you take your first sip, you're not hitting ice chips, you know, on your on your lips. But you're getting just soft, velvety citrus, orange and cognac all blessedly mixed together to perfection. Great. This
0: is also beautiful, but not quite as showy as the brandy crusta. All right. You can have this one. So I am drinking the Mm (laughs) Crusta. How do you like it? We have acknowledged I like boozy, spirity drinks, and I very much enjoy it. But I bet that there
1: are people who don't. When it's made now in modern bars, they will often adopt it for modern palates, as they say. And I'm doing modern palates in quotes. Mm -hmm. Because what they'll tend to do is add a lot more citrus to it. I think that takes away from the uniqueness of the Crusta. That it has the maraschino liqueur, that it has the orange uh, dry curacao, that it is really kind of brandy focused and the beautiful bitters. And you have this big, beautiful peel that's giving beautiful, fragrant, floral citrus notes. Mm-hmm. And just a hint, a whisper of juice that is kind of balancing all the sweetness that's in it. Mm-hmm. And I think, it's, I think it's delicious as it is. I don't know. I really like it. I kind of prefer it to a sidecar now. So if somebody came in on Friday night, do you really want them to order the Brandy Crusta? Is it, it hard? No, I don't think it's any any harder than any other drink. Not it, at all. Because it looks so fancy. It looks so fancy. It's really pretty. I expect that if I make one, I'm going to have to make many. The problem is is the the trick with the glassware. It is really difficult to get that lemon peel balancing inside the glass. And... I have, I guess I've used them um, in the past, like right now I have these beautiful cordial glasses that I use that I found in thrift stores, but eventually they'll break and I don't know if I'll be able to get more. Um, I have used snifters in the past as well
0: mm-hmm. because an egg it has cup, that
1: closed opening at top that could hold the lemon peel. Would an egg cup be too small? An egg cup might be too small. Mm-hmm.
0: Or, a, well, the customer would be, your guest would be grumpy.
1: They might be a little grumpy because they think it doesn't hold a lot. But I love, like, little drinks like this. That's yeah. why I love smaller cocktail glasses. You could give them two egg cups. Two egg <laughs> cups. Yeah. No, I'm using, I mean, I'm not shy about using really, really good cognac in this mm-hmm. drink because the cognac is going to shine through really nicely. So uh, I think um, a little goes a long way.
0: Mm-hmm. If you order this and somebody makes it right, like Abigail, in this this tiny glass, and we talked about that with the Nick and Nora glasses, we got used to the martini glass that Which can hold really, like really big. a big gulp of mm-hmm. martini. <laughs> and this kind of glass... I think, really grounds you in another time. Mm-hmm. It takes you out of a modern space. Our cars are big. Our houses are big. We expect infinite amounts of space, space right? Yeah.
1: In We're a, Americans. In,
0: we spread out. Manifest <laughs> destiny.
1: Yada, yada, yada.
0: In a way that people just didn't Perhaps I'm, I am reaching here, but like I live in a home that was built in 1896, and I live in one half of it, which contained, you know, a family of six. Now it's just like a family of two and one dog. But even that is considered pretty small by American standards. And this drink, I think, would maybe surprise people, some people, who would say, like, where's the rest of my drink?
1: Yeah, But, but the, the amount of alcohol that's in it is the same amount that you would find in an old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. It's just served up. And you're just fooled by the, the optics of the glass. Right, the perception. And you could pour it into another glass, and it will look like a bigger drink. It's um, in a small glass. It looks small, but it's actually the same size drink and the same amount of alcohol. And the perception, too, regarding taste is this doesn't taste like
0: a classic cocktail because the the lemon makes it a little different mm-hmm. um but it isn't going you know full-on daisy no either no. so i think it's confusing too but if if you're willing to kind of open your palate a little bit then it's just this it i don't know it's like think about a different way of drinking people that people drank differently mm-hmm. than you do yeah. now
1: this is we all did we all i mean Three martini lunches? Mm. I mean, even in the, you know, Mad Men era, three martinis is a lot. They must have been drinking smaller martinis. And, and maybe they were shaking them, too. And then they stay nice and cold, too, mm-hmm. though, which is what I It's know. like drinking little pony beers. Yeah. And oh, my they... gosh. Those are so hot right That's now. It's like not even drinking a beer. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I could have, like, <laughs> ten of those. Let's see what happens if we have ten <laughs> after this sidecar. I'm game for anything we're gonna go out for 10 ponies <laughs> of miller high life
0: oh wait i learned in um new zealand a pony of a beer is called um a stubby which sounds dirty mm-hmm. um and so a koozie there is a stubby holder oh
1: no that yeah. sounds dirty it does sound dirty but it's not it's,
0: stubby holder. it's
1: honest koozies if you're listening and you call something else a koozie, do you know what we're talking about with a koozie? Okay, so
0: other people in the North, I think they say cozy. What, what did you grow up saying? I don't know. We didn't really have koozies.
1: Well, here you have to have them. Well, and I also, on the coldest day I ever remember in New Orleans, a guy was drinking a beer with a koozie, and I'm like, why are you doing that? It's already so cold. And he's like, it keeps my hand from getting even colder. Right. I don't I have I was gloves. like, what? <laughs> I was like, my brain was like, this is
0: brilliant. That is, that is a phenomenon. Perhaps everywhere, but definitely in the South. People get married. They get koozies, you know, for their wedding. Mm-hmm. Here in uh, New Orleans, when parades, Mardi Gras parades roll, they throw koozies. I've seen people put koozies around their go cups. They show up in all kinds of manifestations to act as mementos mm-hmm. of a thing. Mm-hmm. A wedding, a parade, um, some business crawfish picnic. How big is your drawer full of koozies? Well, so occasionally we, we have to, we call. But I'm in a Mardi Gras crew and we decorate koozies to look like Chewbacca's mm-hmm. and with fur. They actually don't function very well, but they're totally adorable. They are very cute. So we use old koozies for that. That's I feel like funny. that's a renew,
1: reuse, recycle thing. I like that. Speaking of recycling, yeah, <laughs> right. Are we recycling, recycling the sidecar or the crusta as a sidecar? I this is still a matter of debate. I don't think so. I don't think so either. These are two very very different drinks. They both use cognac. Yes. They both have a sugared rim. Yes. That's it for me. And they okay. both use um, curacao. Yes. Although I've seen a lot of recipes with Grand Marnier.
0: No. It's always Curacao.
1: It's always just an orange liqueur, right? But they But not really a triple sec. Right, You're mixing so, it with cognac, so you want it to be a little nicer than like your finest call triple sec.
0: Wait, you said they're both using Curacao. Mm-hmm. Curacao is orange drier, liqueur. but it isn't is it drier. Dry. It is much drier than Grand Marnier. So I've I read one. Per, this is one person's take who likes the Grand Marnier because they feels that it's um... the drink's not sweet enough. Yeah, and it's also cognacier. Is Grand Marnier made from... Um... So is Cointreau. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, but Grand Marnier is definitely is sweeter than yes. Curacao. Yes, I think so they, that's a, more added sugar. So that's a choice.
1: It's a choice. Like but, people who like Cadillac margaritas, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. with Grand Marnier instead of Cointreau. Right. So they're a little sweeter.
0: But they don't... And the,
1: again, what is a margarita? But a daisy.
0: I think that... One way that they're definitely not the same is, like, one has bitters and one doesn't. Yes. And you can totally taste it. And therefore,
1: one is a cocktail, Mm -hmm. really, and the other one isn't.
0: Um, I want to go back a teeny tiny bit. There is a lot of dispute about where the sidecar is invented. Some say Mm. the American bar at the Savoy Hotel. So the English take credit for it. Some say Harry's Bar in Paris. So this is an expat. Um, this is an ex-prohibition prohibition, prohibition drink. era, yeah. Um, but I always n- thought
1: it was like World War One, right? Mm, is that yeah, the time right. Yeah, that's, they give it?
0: well. So technically, World War One is over by the time that Prohibition starts. Mm, the armistice yes. happens before Prohibition. Oh, yes. But like, if you're already in Europe, <laughs> it's hard to get back. And if you know Prohibition is about to kick in, a lot of people either stay or go over. During that time, mm-hmm. as we've all learned from Downton Abbey, there is no definite story. Um, a Attached lot of people, yeah, a lot of people c- claim credit, but no one can agree.
1: But again, in case you care, it's probably
0: over there. Actually, what, so, oh, 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 except except Dale DeGroff says it was invented in New
1: Orleans. What? Because he thinks it's a descendant of the cresta.
0: Yeah, because there was apparently a an idiom slang. For whenever a bartender would have a little bit left in uh, a shaker Mm -hmm. and they would just pour out that last little bit, you know, and kind of pass it over to someone that that was called the sidecar. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. Let's say you have a bigger glass, right? Mm -hmm. And then you didn't fit it all in one drink so you put you put a little off to this you know and then you push that over there so that looks like a sidecar yes you should know like go look up what a sidecar is with a motorcycle in case you don't know what that is (laughs) um but then i don't know what the leap is is it because that oh i'm pointing to the sidecar because the (laughs) sidecar became sort of adjacent to the crusta and he's saying that it goes alongside we could call him and ask him not right
1: now yeah no that's very interesting Wow. Okay. This history is murky when it mm-hmm. comes to the sidecar. I could see anything going with this. That the crusta How popular does the crusta get? It's not popular by the end of the the 19th century. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Oh, cognac. Duh. Phylloxera. Oh, right. It's
0: expensive. Yeah. And then everything sh- shifts to whisk- whiskey I mean, it's not called a
1: crusta, like... They didn't make gin crustas. They didn't make whiskey crustas. Well, it was a brandy crusta. So
0: uh, po- supposedly there were some other spirit crustas, but the, like the brandy, the was brandy. Brandy was the, the, brandy default was was the brandy. best, yeah. Yeah. So right. So by the late 19th
1: century, there's, it's all whiskey and gin. Mm-hmm. Sto- the story is whiskey and gin. So people have moved away from the crusta because this cocktail I just don't think would be as good with whiskey or gin.
0: But the sidecar stays popular and that's a cognac
1: brandy one. But the sidecar isn't created until decades later, right? When it's when it's easier to get. Then I mean, right? You definitely have like this. People forget about a thing, and then it comes back. You know, like mm-hmm. we're, we've we've experienced that in the twentieth century. Like what? Like um, bourbon. Bourbon oh, was right. almost extinct, and rye, and rye, yeah. Oh And now, all of a sudden, it's so hot again, right? Rum having a comeback now. Mm-hmm. You know, like it. There's definitely things that go in cycles. I mean. If it's because people are watching Mad Men, or if it's because, you know, we went through that whole hippie phase where everyone was like, I'm not going to trust anyone over 30 and I'm not going to drink what my parents drank.
0: Except in New Orleans. We still kept drinking old and fashions. Then, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then their kids rebelled by saying, I'm not going to drink your Zimas and your wine coolers. <gasps> Zima. And I'm going to drink what grandma and gramps drank. Can I'm going to drink still, Manhattan's. Can you still get a Zima? Does, does that still exist? It's coming back actually around. No! <laughs> Yeah. Run.
0: <laughs> Listen. So not I drink, not
1: not just good things come back. Sometimes I bad things come back too. Just at like Covington
0: fashion. High, and also Sea Crumbs Golden Wine Cooler. Ooh. Do you remember that, Bruce? Will- Bruce Willis. For those of you that are. Not he an he played, Bruce did, Willis had a band and he, he played, harmonica played harmonica and, and he, he made a song called oh <laughs> Sea Go cool. I bet you know what? I'm going to find that on the internet and drop that in
1: here. Mm, do it. Hey my fella. Look here. Sea wine cool. Sea Grunts. And it's dry. We were talking about Die Hard earlier. We need some more Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could all use some more Bruce Willis. <laughs> in, in... Didn't he have like an alter ego that his singer Bruno. Was? Bruno.
0: God, why do I know that? That's terrible. <laughs> Does that mean that I don't, I won't have Alzheimer's or does it just mean when I'm 80, I'll be singing Bruce Willis songs? Oh God. Oh God.
1: All right. Let's keep, let's drop Bruce Willis into every episode now and then maybe he'll come to my diehard Tiki pop-up. So one thing I did um, want to ask you about, because this is
0: another way that people think these drinks are alike or similar or whatever, is the sugar rim. Yes. And uh, Abigail sugars the rims differently. So the Crusta has like this really
1: thick, well, you know, crust. Thick crust, yeah. Big, wide rim, and it goes all the way around. Um, when With the sidecar, I like people to have a choice, and I just go halfway around. Mm-hmm. But I find it helpful because, yeah, sometimes it is too tart. And a little taste of sugar from the rim really helps. A little uh, spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, as right. well, Well, it is mm. medicinal. And what if I were that? to add, oh. and some people do add sugar to sidecars, if they do, mm-hmm. then they probably shouldn't put a sugar rim on it. Um, but uh, what I was going to ask you
0: was, is there another drink, like in the classic drinks, that has the sugar rim?
1: You know, I can't think of any.
0: Right. So I think that this is another reason why people
1: are like, these are the same. These are the same. Well, I also don't even think, like, I've had, I've ordered sidecars numerous times and bartenders don't bother to rim it. I don't know (sighs) if because they don't have the sugar Mm -hmm. or because they feel like it doesn't need it. Mm -hmm. Some people, some bartenders feel like rimming cocktail glasses is kind of beneath them. Mm -hmm. Some are just too lazy to go get the sugar. I don't know. It can be a different thing. I've had, um, like, there's no twist. I don't put a twist in a sidecar. But a lot of places, I've ordered it, and I get a twist, either of orange, orange. Or I think I like it with orange. Yeah, nice an orange twist. Um, that was my go-to at Bartonique when I first moved here. Order a sidecar? S- Sonali making me sidecars. They were delicious. Yeah, I love a good sidecar.
0: Okay, so the other thing I wanted to ask you, because I feel like we might get an email or a a, a social media inquiry, mm-hmm. is your recipe for the sidecar versus... Other people's opinions about the mm-hmm. recipe for the sidecar.
1: They vary. They vary. They vary. If, if I'm using something strong like Creole shrub or Cointreau that's 80 proof, I think um, three-quarters of an ounce is fine. It's very powerful to three-quarters of an ounce of sugar. If I'm using something a little lighter, like there's another Creole shrub that's just 70 proof, that's you, a little sweeter, mm-hmm. that I would use um, a scant less. But I mean, it, we're talking about minuscule amounts of difference. This is a drink. It's only three ingredients. It, it's very easy to wreck the balance of. And it might not even be close to your palate because everyone, when it comes to sour drinks like this, some people like them really bone dry. Mm-hmm. Some people like them a little bit more sweet. That's why I think you, if you stick to a classic spec of just three quarter, three quarter, two, or and then let the sugar rim be your Mm -hmm. adjusting here or there and then people can kind of choose their own adventure with this drink you should tell people what a shrub is uh shrub is a a particularly orange shrub um traditionally shrub is is fruit macerated um with sugar and a little vinegar added to preserve it Mm -hmm. um it it was very colonial it's very refreshing it's very nice the caribbean Do it not with vinegar, but with alcohol. Also a preservative. Also a preservative. And in Martinique, they use rum agricole. And they also kind of have a tradition of adding spices to it as well. Allspice, cinnamon, vanilla. Uh, Really lightly spiced, but it really helps kind of amp up the orange flavor um, and really kind of bring out some of the more floral notes of the orange. And so I like using Creole shrub uh, a lot. From Martinique, there's two great brands that make them, and it's very common here in New Orleans. But you know, and we're a Caribbean city, so I Mm -hmm. like to use a kind of Caribbean influence on our cocktails.
0: So this is what you were saying is that the sweetness of the the shrub slash cointreau slash curacao, Curacao, um, all that's going to vary depending on your own palate. Yes. So you should do what we always say. We just figure out what you like. Figure out what you like and then make, make it. Make it the way you like it. Yeah,
1: taste a whole bunch. Go to a bar that has a whole bunch of them and taste <clears throat> them all. God, I love a taste test. Yeah, Line them
0: up. Line them up, please. Like Myrtle Yep. So that's,
1: a, that's one tip. it's the tip we always give. Do you have a new tip? Oh, um, I was doing some complex garnish work today. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people get frustrated with a, um, a peel and they'll use like there's different tools you could use to get a peel off. I really want to say that the best thing to do is to just practice using one tool until you get it just right. And um, the best tool that I found is a um, just a Y-shaped vegetable peeler. Mm-hmm. And then it's all about the movement of your wrist and your fingers and how you hold the fruit. Please, please, please be careful not to cut yourself. But practice making nice, beautiful peels, swaths on oranges, lemons, grapefruits. There's a traditional peeler called a horse neck peeler that makes or a channel peeler that makes really thin, long strips. Mm-hmm, I've seen those. Which are very pretty as well, but I feel like don't get the the essence of the, the oil as much, which is really nice to kind of express that oil over a drink, mm-hmm. or to in the case of the cresta, you're sipping the drink actually through this peel. So I'd say make sure you get some nice a nice quality tool, just a vegetable peeler that a that a cook would use, and, and practice. Practice makes perfect. My first bar job, I didn't even have a peeler; I used a knife. I got really good at peeling with mm-hmm. just a knife. So whatever you I use, if you're <laughs> if you're consistent um, and careful. Um, you will get better at it. So don't give up on making a nice peel. Keep practicing. I worked an event
0: at Tujac's where the bartender was having to make a lot of Sazeracs. And in the middle of it, he cut the shit out of his finger. Oof. And and I looked, and because here's what you don't want to do, bleed in your Sazerac. <laughs> <laughs> so he was, but it was a restaurant, so he could run and, um, you know, he taped it up. Yeah. But um, you don't want you don't want that to happen. Not even in
1: your own. Not even in your own home. Yes, yeah. please, please be careful with these tools. Practice slowly, uh, carefully, mm-hmm. and um, and like I said, practice makes perfect. The more times you do it, you'll get better at it, and the less likely you'll be to hurt yourself.
0: Yeah. So we want to hear from you, and we would really love it if you would make the dueling.
1: Uh, brandy drinks, yeah, of the 19th and 20th century. You guys make a brandy cresta and a sidecar, and let us know which one you like better. And you
0: can tag me
1: at Drink and Learn across
0: all the places that you can at. Is that a verb? It's a verb now, right? I think at so. me,
1: I think so. You can at me. a little me. too old for all of this. <laughs>
0: you can at me on Instagram
1: and Twitter and Facebook. Drink and learn. And you can find me on Twitter at NYC baby. And my name, Abigail Gullo, G-U-L-L-O at, uh, on Instagram. And we love questions, we're
0: happy to answer those, and we, we really, so we've been hearing from some of you about how you've
1: been inspired to try new drinks, and it really tickles us. And some of you have actually been coming to New Orleans to come visit us, to visit me, yes. at the Old Number 77 Hotel and at Compare Le Pen, and I'm so grateful to have you guys from far and wide come and visit. It's always a pleasure to to see your faces. Right, because sometimes it
0: feels like we're tossing a bottle out into the ocean, <laughs> A sonic bottle. And it's good to know that you're someone is listening. Yes. More than one actually. Yes.
1: Yeah. Greetings. Greetings, Ohio and Indiana and uh and all the places in between and farther afield. Yeah. Come come visit. Um if you had a good time listening
0: to us, please tell anybody, however you like to tell them. Rate and review us on iTunes and all the places that you can rate and review us. I don't, is that the only one? I think it's the only one. And tune in uh Tune in again to drink and learn some more.
1: Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Bye.